Welcome to No Club, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rudermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Outer Wilds, uh, which is a game that was developed by Mobius Digital, published by Annapurna Interactive, because fucking course it was, uh, and it was released in 2019 for Windows, Xbox One, and PS4, and is coming to Switch this year. Uh, but first, if you could give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Outer Wilds as a genre, because I keep struggling to do this at the beginning of every podcast, mm-hmm. uh, is essentially a space exploration game. Um, it's marginally hard to point to something that this is, like, similar to. There isn't a meets, meets, meets for this one. <laughs> I kind of had... Because this is how my brain works. Right. Uh, that it was reminded me a little bit of Obra Dinn mm-hmm. in the sense that you're dropped into a world and have to figure out what happened there. And also like Majora's Mask or like other similar time loop games, which there aren't that many of my, that I've ever played. Like in my my mind's eye views the meets meets for this one mm-hmm. as being uh, a roguelike meets No Man's Sky, except like... Everything that is a concept of No Man's Sky and why it is successful is the opposite of what Outer Wilds is trying to do. Mm-hmm. It has very prescribed planets, and your goal isn't resource collecting at all. Uh, but it is like a space, like you have kind of hard to master spaceship controls. Uh, and just, like, an absolutely bumpin' soundtrack. Yeah, I was gonna compare this to No Man's Sky in just the sense that, like, this is more the kind of thing I would have wanted from it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you could just procedurally generate a solar system's worth of planets, (laughs) and then, like, seed in some authored content onto each one. Right. But, you know. The, the planets in, where, where are we starting, by the way? I, I do not have any idea. This, uh, I guess, this is among one of those games where the community is very precious about spoilers. Yeah. Um, so spoiler warning. Yeah. So keep in mind that as we go on with this, um, the the sort of the the thought process to it mm-hmm. is that every single thing that you learn about this game takes away a little bit of the experience of you finding it for yourself yeah this is intended to be like a book club style discussion for people who've already played yeah and especially with this game as uh, you were getting at the whole game is discovering things about the game yeah so dan if you're listening to this stop go play the game then come back also jj if you're listening i think you would like this (laughs) so um big big recommends yeah so now i'm going to jump into immediately spoiling some stuff about the the game uh and then we will continue to do that for an hour um what i wanted to say originally was i I feel like the the because this is sort of an indie game and by sort of i mean is an indie game and therefore the very small amount of of actual like unique planets um makes me think that if this game was procedurally generated in any way it would probably ruin some of the stuff that i love about it oh yeah um and the thing that i want to talk about just as like an example of what you're sort of getting into with a game like this 
is Ash Twin and Ember Twin, um, which the, like the Hourglass Twins to me are emblematic of what this whole game is about because they are the most involved as far as not just the plot, but also like mechanically involved as to what you're doing on them. Um, they're two very small planets in comparison to other things in the game. Uh, everything in the game is very small. Just as a mm-hmm. as a note, like you don't have to go far in between the planets, like comically short amounts of time. Like mm-hmm. I could get my car and drive from Timber Hearth to the Sun in a couple of hours, um, and that's weird. But they are this intricately linked set of planets that orbit each other in addition to the sun there's a astronomical term for this that i don't know Mm -hmm. uh and one of them pours sand slowly into the other one like it it has like its gravitational pull sucks the sand off of one planet and puts it in the other one Mm -hmm. and and then I presume that it reverses. Yeah, it is said that it does reverse every, like, 20 minutes or so, but because the loops in this game are short, you never see that. Yeah, it's supposed to be, um, like, a in-game, like, mechanically, like, a timer mm-hmm. for the loop. Like, whenever it runs out is when the sun explodes. Yeah, more or less. Um and what's cool about that, in addition to all of the cool things that we just yeah. said... It looks fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> up top. Like, it's it's one of the coolest visuals in the game, I think. Mm-hmm. And it also makes this very... I've said intricate like 15 times already. That is the word for it. But it's like a very involved mechanical experience to exploring both of them. Mm-hmm. Because when you show up, and start doing stuff is just as important as what you're doing or where you are when you're doing it. Yeah, and they're both very different from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, they do work as, like, a microcosm for the rest of the game. Um, and, like, going back and forth between them and using information from one on the other, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, uh, all applies to them. Yeah. And, yeah, and you can extrapolate that out like you're implying to, like, almost every other planet. There's, like, something about it that you have to figure out and then know how to exploit that and like that's how you discover more um there are a few exceptions i guess like most planets will even working with like perfect mechanical ability require you to go there at least two times once to figure out what the fuck is going on and Mm -hmm. then a second time to actually put that into actions um but yeah, so that's that's kind of like the base concept of the game, and it is what I really latched onto, and what took me a really, really long time to latch onto. Yeah, it's um, it really does just kind of plop you in, um, and there, I mean, obviously not as uh, complicated as real world like uh, <laughs> space travel or anything, but there is a learning curve to figuring out how to do everything, like how to fly the ship. Uh, how to land on planets, um, how to, like, make the best use of your time, like, where to land on a planet to, like, do certain things. And, yeah, you're constantly learning mm-hmm. and uh, getting better at exploring the uh, the solar system you're in. And it, it applies both to the ship and on foot navigation to an extent. Yeah, with the jetpack. Yeah, you have the jetpack and you have to manage that they're different 
gravities on different planets depending on mm. their size and stuff yeah, and remember that there's like an up thruster and a down thruster yep which can be or at least for me it was easy to forget about the jetpack oh no, no definitely not easy to forget about the jetpack but it is when you aren't moving in when you don't have like full th- like three-dimensional movement like mm. when you're in space or just anywhere that has zero gravity it is very easy to forget that you have a thing that pushes you down toward the ground. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, and it is core to solving some things. Yeah, it's like I internalized that about the ship pretty quick and then kept forgetting the jetpack also did that. Yeah. Even though it makes total sense that it would. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, all things considered. Outer wilds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one thing I think would be good to talk about uh, early is the fact that this game goes pretty far in actually, like, being a simulation of a solar system mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, everything's always moving. Um, everything's always moving through space and always... So it's, everything's orbiting the sun and everything is has its own uh, rotation. And uh, it's always happening even if you're not there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably like a hard to appreciate like technical achievement especially for an indie game Mm. um just how much i don't know uh is how complex that is there is a there is something that is like technologically incomprehensible about this game to me in like in my head right like Everything seems very small. It seems like you are... You approach these planets, and they seem very, like, manageable. Mm -hmm. And even, like, a lot of them you can land on, and you can do a lap of the entire planet just around the equator in, like, a minute. Mm -hmm. Like, they're very small and very, like, contained. Yeah, they've scaled everything more or less, like, to the 22-minute time limit. Right. But then, and this is where I'm, like, this is where I have trouble. Because, like, obviously the game loads the planets when you go through their atmosphere. Mm -hmm. uh, At least for the most part. Ember Twin is extremely strange because it's pretty visible from anywhere. Yeah. Um, Like, where shit, like, buildings and stuff are, even if you're, like, a million light years away. Um, But... You go through the the atmosphere and it loads the planet, and to me it seems like it's loading something that is bigger than what it appears to be on the outside. But I don't know if that's actually true. Like, Giant's Deep is the one that comes to mind because mm -hmm. it just seems... Like, it, it is the biggest planet, but when you land on it, it feels so much bigger than the other planets of even similar size. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh I I was wondering if um they cheated space and things like the Ember Twin where like you go inside and there's a bunch of caves and it feels like it's bigger yeah than the planet actually is. But I th- I don't think they did. I I think it is all actually contained within it. Um which is yeah, like you said it is kind of like mind-boggling. Like <laughs> the s- scale is kind of hard to uh perceive 
with this game when you step back from it. Like, while you're playing it, or at least for me, I didn't think about it as much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you think back to it, it's like, especially because they play, like I said, with scale and like how big things are and how far apart they are for their little uh, uh, simulated solar system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. And the whole game is sort of like that, where it's there are things about it that you ha- you would intuit what you would be supposed to do and usually you're wrong about that is what i found like mm-hmm. when i'm trying to explore just like real life yeah your intuitions are usually wrong <laughs> i attempt to like go to the planet and like get out of the ship and run around and that's how i would explore because that's how you'd explore in like any game where you go to a planet you get out of the ship like you don't stay in the ship to fly around and do stuff but a lot of times that is like that's the secret is that you have to get you have to be in the ship in order to get to places in like a reasonable time or like so that you have a checkpoint that you can go back to for oxygen and fuel and stuff yeah that's like one of those learning curve things like you won't do that probably early right unless it was like (laughs) i think giant's deep was the only one because it's covered in water yeah well, for me on Giant Steep, I still tried to do the same thing. It was the first planet I went to, mm. and I found an island, landed the ship, got out. Like, the ship just, like, fell into the ocean, and I was like, well, I won't need that. And then just proceeded to wander around on an island. Um, what I wanted to say about this game, first uh-huh. and foremost, and by first I mean way down the line, uh, is it took me probably 40 loops Mm -hmm. before i didn't die like before the game the loop ended and it didn't end with me hurling myself into the sun or just something horrible happening to me i had a similar experience uh i went to brittle hollow first there's stuff for some i think well I guess this is a different discussion, but like uh, when you wake up, you see giant steep in the sky. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt like maybe that's where they wanted you to go first. But uh, the moon also seems like it's very like tutorial E. Yeah. And like the game maybe wants you to go there first, but whatever. That's besides the point. (laughs) Somebody in the town mentioned Brittle Hollow and how how the Harthians had explored it already. And that stuck out in my mind for some reason. And I Mm -hmm. went there first. Uh, and there is, yeah, a lot of opportunity to get sucked into a black hole and die. So I also died a bunch uh, before, probably like over 10 before the sun ever exploded for me. Like probably yeah. closer to 20. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very easy to sort of just get killed. Mm-hmm. When Especially early, yeah. And just uh, like real life. Yeah, just like real life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the reason that it came to me is because, like, talking about how to explore, which is kind of like the thing that you have to get a grasp on before you can really do anything, um, is you you have to know how to keep yourself alive and, like, where you should and shouldn't go and, like, how to use the scout, which is really unintuitive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all things that made this game hard for me to grasp at the beginning, and it took me a while to actually get into it. Yeah, I think that's by design, though. Like, mm-hmm. I think the game, like, the town at the beginning on Timberhearth 
does a good job of like setting up space travel is this like dangerous thing like a like a hurdle you're gonna have to jump like right. a, like a goal to aspire to everyone's like oh you won't be able to do it like you you're <laughs> gonna be a space uh explorer you good luck mm-hmm. you know i feel like it had that kind of attitude um so yeah i like to motivate you to kind of rise to the occasion but no i had a similar experience um and one thing that uh jj said i compared this game to Overdin already a couple times um um one thing jj said about that game is that it was really bad for our format uh, and yeah. i felt like it was similar with this game because like ironically i felt like it wasn't good to play under a time limit um because i went on vacation this month and that's why uh this episode is late yeah sorry everyone Uh, (laughs) um but i tried to finish it before i left which i didn't successfully do but like i remember the first couple times i sat down to play it it felt like i made no progress and it was like frustrating um and I only really felt that way because I wanted to finish it in a timely fashion, you know? Like, I was I was exploring, I was gathering info. Um, so it was a useful... Uh, I was making good use of my time, actually, but it felt like wheel spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that won't be a problem for most people. But, like, don't play this under time constraints. Yeah. Uh, you I don't would... want to rush ex- exploration and discovery. The other thing, though, is that I'm me. And I didn't really have a time constraint. I finished this game, uh, om- like almost two weeks before we're recording this, mm-hmm. and I did not. I also felt like I wasn't making any progress and was spinning my wheels and was frustrated by it. And I think that's more. That's just my personality more so. The game doesn't give you. The game does give you actually. A bit of a clue as to how much progress you're making, but I am so impatient that I didn't ever notice it, and that is the ship log. Oh, yeah. Once I discovered that it's been keeping track of, like, that rumors page Mm -hmm. is huge, and it made me want to explore a lot more. Um, and it is, it's right there, like, when you yeah, get in the I ship, say, I it's right in it, front like, of you. almost immediately, yeah. But it's the kind of thing that I would just never look at. Like, I would just, especially, like, like, I don't remember much about what happens on Timberhearth, the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And I kept wanting to go back and talk to people again to get hints. But every time that I would think to do that, I'd wake up for the loop and then immediately be like, I only got 23 minutes. Yep. First of all. No, you don't. You probably have about five because you're going <laughs> to crash your ship into a meteor and get murdered. Right. But you think that this time limit is going to be like really imposing on you. Yeah. And so you just want to run up and get in the ship and go somewhere. Yeah. I was also like sometimes discouraged from checking the ship log because I didn't know if that froze time. I, I still don't know, honestly. Yeah. I never actually like tested it, but like sometimes I'd be like, well, this one's going to be a time sink where I'm going to sit and read the log. <laughs> you know yeah but it giving you pointers and sort of like what you have and have not found and also just like it helps you remember names of Mm -hmm. stuff more which is good because a lot of the information that you get about the universe comes from not dialogue necessarily but like logs like text logs from the nomai yeah and in order to make sense of that, you do have to start learning proper nouns. Yeah. That's probably, for me anyway, was, like, one of the bigger hurdles. Um, 
I don't think it is as important to remember the Nomai characters specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that they do a decent enough job of making them. They have backstory and like character elements to them so that if you do learn them, you get rewarded for it. But I don't think it's necessary for like finishing the central plot of the game. No, yeah, like for me, I didn't remember that kind of stuff. Like to me, that stuff was like uh felt like more like lore. Like they were mixing like that in with the important information. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so to me it was like the more like uh information about like the goings on, like their plans in their um you know, like the Ash Twin project and mm-hmm. the Sun Station and all the yeah, like the proper nouns, all of their uh machinations and everything that they're doing in the in the solar system was like the thing that I tried to remember more. Yeah, yeah, and there's I don't know. I I feel like when we're on break, like between our halves, uh-huh. we're going to the second half of the podcast. We're probably going to focus a little bit more on that, like plot and narrative yeah stuff. we'll record the second half of the podcast on the ash twin mm-hmm. yeah we're on ember twin right now yeah. which is a very mechanics focused planet mm-hmm. and then we'll go to the more narrative focused planet to record the second half yeah um but on, on this this first half with as far as like what it is that the 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 lore i guess means is that this game does a weird job of mixing them in a way that actually feels kind of appropriate, like, thematically. Mm -hmm. So you have plot, which is you unraveling the mystery, and the lore, which is what has happened in the past. And because of the time loop, those things can, like, change places, Mm -hmm. where you end up being, like... intertwined. Yeah, you're like, this is a thing that happened, like, a million years ago. I don't really need to give a shit about this. And then you just find it. Like, out there in the fucking world. And you're like, oh, oops, I guess. Yeah, like, they have a couple of the Nomai have some settlements on each planet. Mm -hmm. um, And, yeah, you can find more, like, personal, like, little notes and things um, in those locations. So, like, yeah, it all feels appropriate. Yeah, and there's, like, cross-pollination. And it feels natural. Yeah. A big fat spoiler warning. Also, you can find... uh, living nomai as well so i never did i i did that that was i that my progression through this game was fucking bizarre well i think everyone's is true (laughs) like i actually like watched part of a stream of someone playing this because i suspected like everyone like the order in which people find things it's gonna be completely fucking different for everybody yeah and it was funny to me almost how immediately things divulge from like what I did and what other people did. So yeah, one of the first things that diverged. I've... Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> potato, potato. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of one of the first what I perceived as being a plot critical thing. I guess the way to say it is the first thing that I, in my head... Like, latched onto. Yeah, as being an important plot central element was the tr- the quantum trials, which were little stations that you could find on different planets that had basically a, like a puzzle or an obstacle course. It was very video game stuff. 
that the game is actually mostly kind of void of. So finding this thing that felt like it was part of a video game, like part of a Zelda dungeon, to me was like, this is my familiarity. Once I've completed these three trials, then I will, I'll understand it all. Um, And that, of course, is not true. Uh, Wisely, I think. But so I, I went through the trials and got to the quantum moon, like, weirdly early in the game. Like, not like so early that it's impressive, like probably like 12 hours in is when mm-hmm. I got to it. But before I even knew really what was going on. Um, and it did. It They do such a good job of mixing these things that like what I learned on the quantum moon helped me to understand what the rest of the game was about. Mm. Like putting together what the eye of the universe is and all of this stuff. And I'm verging into plot stuff here, but this is what I'm talking about. Like they it's mix, all connected. Yeah. yeah, they mix so well, and it if you can get over the hump of being like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I, every time I land on a planet, my ship is utterly destroyed, <laughs> and I'm stranded, uh, <laughs> and I die every five minutes. Then once you once you embody it, once you really get into it, then it starts to make sense and was surprisingly rewarding, I have to oh, say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, the game is about figuring out what happened in the solar system, and that involves finding these key places and finding out what happened to the people who built them. You yeah. know, like, it is, yeah. Like, you, it all, yeah, it all mixes in a natural way. So, but speaking of that quantum stuff, yeah, uh, it made me feel dumb after I finished the game and was, like, <laughs> looking stuff up about it. Like, I barely noticed any of it. Like, mm. I don't think I found any of those trials, and I never made it to the moon. And I barely even noticed that you would look at a thing and then turn around and look back and it would be gone. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's happening, like, all over the game, and I, like, <laughs> never noticed it. Like, I just, that stuff, like, flew completely under my radar. Like, I think I saw the quantum moon, like, twice and mm. was like, oh, what's that? I'm already doing a thing, so I just continued doing the thing and didn't even try to fly to it. Like, it's right. weird how much I didn't notice any of that. The The quantum move was very frustrating for me before I knew what it was, because you when you fly into it, you just sort of pass out the other side. Mm-hmm. And every time it felt like... It's like, because the game gives you no indication of what it is, um, it feels like when you fly through it, like... Am I in, like, the Negaverse? Like, do I have to go find something that's different now? So for a while, I would just, like, fly through it every time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, maybe I'm triggering <laughs> You're warping something. to a new universe. <laughs> yeah, like, it's where so every, many it something, thing. one little thing is different. <laughs> yeah. And so, it was, like, a big running thing. So it's always in the back of my mind, like, what the fuck is this? What mm-hmm. am I doing with it? And the reason that I was able to find the first Quantum Trial... Which, first of all, if it's ha- if the quantum stuff is happening all over the game, it, most of it passed me by as well. Yeah, like, I, I didn't even, like, really know until I was looking stuff up. Uh, okay. Because I knew there were those rocks that yeah. they show at the beginning. And I noticed when those showed up right. that that kind of stuff happened. But it's, like, happening with other stuff, like, all over the place, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And I just never noticed it. Well, it's very, like, especially when you're exploring as your primary mechanic your goal is always to be looking for new things 
So when you find out that old things aren't there anymore, it's kind of hard to like, it's hard to even make that discovery a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so both of us, I know, fixated pretty hard on, on Giants Deep early in the game. And that is the first trial that I found. And the reason that I found it was because I was trying so hard <laughs> to get into the core of Giants Deep because it just sounded so important. Um so, yeah, there's a big giant, tor- like a big tornado at one of the poles of mm-hmm. the planet, and I flew into it. You, uh, you bounce off if you fly at it, but right. if you go up out of the atmosphere and then come back in, and that's where one of the trials is, and that kind of set ah. off. That was my journey of this game, essentially, is fixating really hard on Giants Deep, finding the trial, and then changing my fixation entirely to being figure out what the quantum shit is <laughs> and eventually that like that taught me about quantum photography and getting that's when i figured out what the fuck the moon was mm. landed on the moon the trials give a little bit of an explanation of it and it's like there's writing in the it, there's a shrine on the moon. it's weird <laughs> but eventually you get to the final like the seventh I might be the sixth the sixth location mm-hmm. and there's just a living no mind there but yeah, so that was like that, and honestly, that did cascade into me finishing the game eventually. Mm-hmm. But it was really weird that that was that was my path, though. Like, I don't know. There were probably other people who have had a oh yeah very similar, if not identical, experience. Yeah, don't know why I never investigated that giant fucking tornado that was different from all the others, <laughs> but I never did. I think the tornado scared me so much when I first got there that I was always my instinct was to stay away from them. Which made it a lot harder to figure out how to get into the center. Yeah, it sure is. What do you think was the most mechanically interesting planet? Since we're on the mechanical part of the, the podcast. Um, it's gotta either be Ash Twin or Brittle Hollow, mm. in my opinion. Because I feel like they felt, even though they were smaller than Giants Deep, they both felt bigger because mm-hmm. they had more like traversable space, uh, like they had like an outside and an inside. So, yeah, I in I don't know, like um, exploring the caves and stuff. Like it's more the kind of thing I would have expected to find in this game before I played it. Like uh, landing on a planet and like finding some kind of underground city or something to explore in yeah so those are the things that like i latched on to early like i went to brittle hollow first and spent a whole like a every time i would just go straight there and try to like explore the whole place mm-hmm. um so yeah that's my answer yeah i think <laughs> honest to god brittle hollow was the last planet that oh, i really? spent time on and i don't really know what it was that led me to do that i think i i got to it the first time that i wasn't immediately dead on brittle hollow because uh-huh. the first time i landed on brittle hollow i just immediately slammed my ship into it which if you do it badly enough which i did you just crack the planet right and, and fall into the black yeah hole. you fall in well i tried to like panic get out Fell into the black hole, didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't make it to the station. I just got killed mm-hmm. by space debris. Um, but the, like, something about it, just like, I got to it that way, and then later I got to it by warping there. Mm. And then eventually I just kind of, like, 
I was like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> and I got there from warping at another point, and I fell immediately because I think it was late enough in the cycle that like some of the the scaffolding like the gravity crystal had fallen down and so i fell off of something landed in a tractor beam and the tractor Mm. beam just dumped me right into the black hole and i was like fuck this whole planet (laughs) (laughs) i'm never coming back here and then near the end of the game i was like i guess i should go back there Uh huh and that's when i got everything and it is really eye-opening but like yeah it probably should be my answer, but it it, re- it isn't because I spent so long away from it mm-hmm. that by the time I got there, it was a lot of sort of... Yeah, like, my first white whale in the game was, like, how the fuck do I get into the Black Hole Forge? Oh, Like, yeah. I was obsessed with figuring that out. You just kind of go up there. <laughs> you had to warp there from the, the Ash Twin project. Oh, yeah, from one of the... You had to uh, walk on the ceiling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, what a confusing Because I hadn't game. been there yet, so I didn't know that was a thing, so I kept trying to get there other ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I had to get to the planet fast enough so, like, the walkway wouldn't be broken and I could walk up to the top, but that's not how you do it. Huh. So I had to give up on it eventually. And... <laughs> Until you find other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the story of it. Wait, I, wait, what was your answer? That is, I, well, I was, I get kind of, like I said, I think that should have been, because I think it is, like, that and an Ember Twin. Ember Twin probably is the most time that I spent on a planet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, every time it, it, I'd go back to the ship log, it'd be like, there's more to explore here. And I'm like, how? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, did, uh, I yeah, I tend to, yeah, I like, could both of those had settlements in them like the hanging city and the sunken city or mm-hmm. whatever it was called i'm gonna say the sunless sunless city, city that's yeah. it uh yeah i liked uh <laughs> of course what would this podcast be without it um but yeah i liked exploring like the settlements a lot and uh the ash twin had the or the ember twin had the puzzle with like the angler fish you had to shoot the probe so you could find the light in the other cave to get to it. Yeah. That was one of my favorite little puzzle moments. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I was having like a weird, because I, what I was going to, to veer into is that I was said I was going to cheat a little bit yeah. here. I did interrupt you. Oh, no. It's, I mean, they, it was more <laughs> eye opening, honestly, than, uh, than if I had just continued because I'm, like I said, I'm going to cheat a bit mm-hmm. because I want to say, that it's it's dark bramble for me. Mm, well, that makes sense. But then I also want to say it's just space because dark bramble is a lot like just being in space, except harder. So more hostile, yeah, even more hostile than space <laughs> than the cold nothingness of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a yeah, and it is like a weirdly effectively horrifying place to be in because not only do you not know where you are or where you're going most of the time there's that like eerie you don't know when you're just gonna get eaten alive it it feels very eldritch Mm -hmm. like even if you didn't have the anglerfish there it would still feel like something might kill you at any second like Mm -hmm. you almost it maybe it was just me but like you almost kind of feel like you're outside of the universe maybe yeah so it gets existential when you're just floating around in white 
nothingness. <laughs> I do want to shout With out thorns everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's big like thorn branches and stuff. Yeah. It brambles. has a very brambles. It has like a very natural like composition mm-hmm. in such an unnatural space. And that's kind of, I think, what makes it so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, I gotta shout out the anglerfish as being genius. Like, they aren't wonderfully animated, and they do have, like, it is, like, a pretty standard, like, navigational hazard. But as somebody who grew up with both an obsession with the sea and also, like, thinking that anglerfish looked real goofy, like... Who like your child brain when you see an anglerfish for the first time is like, like wh- who's gonna fall for that? You dumb idiot! <laughs> like obviously, they've evolved to have it to have the the bobble mm-hmm. on their head, uh, and it works because fish do not have critical thinking skills. Yes, and then you get fucking got as an adult mm-hmm. by an anglerfish. And no- you don't expect an anglerfish. <laughs> And either those fish, you swim your ship through the water of Dark Bramble. I'm mixing the metaphor now in a in a just a legendary fashion. Uh-huh. And you're like, especially the first time you get there, you don't know what you're doing, but you think like, oh, I'll just go towards these lights. And you go into the light, and then it goes into another thing. And then you go toward a light, and a fish comes out of nowhere and eats you alive because you're a dumb idiot and didn't think. Uh is like that's my terrifying video game moment of uh-huh. 2021 <laughs> like front runner right now yeah they do have the anglerfish uh skull or skeleton mm-hmm. um on ash twin which does kind of set it up but yeah you're not going to expect it inside no. brittle hollow <laughs> Uh yeah, well you're not gonna expect it fucking anywhere. No, because there I are was... two anglerfish skeletons. Yeah, that are supposed to teach you about them. Yeah, and they do. Yeah, eventually, but not, once not you where... know that you have to learn yeah, from them. Not where to find them though. That's not one of the things they teach you. Yeah, so that's Dark Bramble gets my shout out. It's my favorite planet because yeah. it is so fucking horrible. I-, I thought there might end up being one inside of Giants Deep. Like I expected mm. to find them in the water. That is where you would want an anglerfish to be if you were logically thinking about it. Yeah. I think they're, legitimately, I think they're too big. Like, I think that if you put one of them in in the water oh, part, yeah, it, would be. it would be huge. Like, it would take up, like, yeah. the whole distance between the core current yeah. and the surface <laughs> of the water, which yeah. would be terrifying. They could have evolved to be smaller uh, under yeah. the intense gravity of the a gas The pressure giant. of the planet. That's genius, Come actually. On, read a science book sometime, <laughs> idiot. No, um, so a cool detail I didn't pick up on whatsoever, but I uh, read about online, uh, is that if you find some, like, uh, like out-of-the-way like secret like nomai murals you can see that when the nomai came to the galaxy that the harthians were just tadpoles uh like swimming around in the water and so like uh what ends up killing the nomai is like the um 
the ghost matter mm-hmm. on the comet. The interloper? Yeah, on the interloper. It caused, like, an explosion that, like, went throughout the whole galaxy and killed everything. Mm-hmm. Except for things that are aquatic, who are, like, live in water. So, like, the anglerfish and the hearthians, because they were just tadpoles. And the jellyfish. And the jellyfish. Yeah. And those are the only things that are still alive. Which is a cool bit of, uh, like, lore or backstory or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That I did not pick up on whatsoever, but it's pretty cool. I made it to the center of the interloper uh, pretty early, but I did not finish the ghost matter maze. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then I came back, like, hours later and actually did finish it, which is where sort of that the seed of that is planted, right? Yeah. And... So, while I wouldn't have been able to describe that in a narrative fashion to you, I would have had bits and pieces of Mm -hmm. it sort of from the end of my playthrough. And that is sort of, like, the interesting way that it does shit like that. I think, yeah, like, that's what I think most people will leave the game with. Like, you have, like, the pieces, if you sat down and thought about it, you could put them together, but, like, Mm -hmm. most people won't. Um, yeah, it's like a post-game, like, reflection kind of revelation, I think. Yeah. Uh, but now, I landed on the comet, like, somewhere middling, you know, through my amount of time yeah. uh, playing. Found the shuttle and, like, the log from the shuttle, and then assumed that was all that was there and left. Like, I did not come back to the con- the interloper and, like, find out that you could get inside of it until, like, way late. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's also kind of, like just a early on it is the perfect like mix of both like mysterious yeah it's mysterious and therefore enticing mm-hmm. and then also just dastardly hard to land on before you understand the ship mechanics that yeah well. like if you approach it and it's coming at you, like, you're not going to be able to land on it. It's just going to explode your ship. Yeah. It kills you in such a spectacular fashion Mm -hmm. when it it collides with you. And, like, it's one of those moments where it happens, and you go, like, I guess I don't know what I expected to happen there. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I thought I was just going to land on the comet, but it was moving faster than, than... than comparatively planets do Mm -hmm. so you end up just getting fucking like louisville sluggard into the sun uh and that sucks to happen uh but it's great i love when that happens to me uh (laughs) do we want at this point to take a break and come back and talk about the story because we're definitely bleeding into it like ghost matter uh chad i would love to talk about the story after, After the, the break. break. Welcome back. All right, we've just finished landing mm-hmm. uh, our landing sequence here on the Ash Twin. I let Andy land the ship. I call him Landy Kinnick. <laughs> Landy actually uses the landing cam <laughs> Kinnick. Yeah, this is what we discussed over the break, is that uh, Andy learned how to land the ship in the way that you should land ships if you're flying an actual ship. 
and I just smashed the ship <laughs> into the surface of the planet, but more yeah. g- more gently each time. Like using the landing cam just takes so long. Yeah, like, you gotta <laughs> you gotta toggle it. What would happen is I would toggle the landing cam accidentally sometimes, and it frustrated me. And so I say, "Fuck that landing cam." My landing cam is my my own face. <laughs> uh, and actually, even like that was already a diversion. But I had one additional one that we kind of started to talk about a mechanic, uh-huh. and then didn't dive into it. Yeah. But I did want to bring I've, it up. I've also got a lingering mechanical thing that I should have brought up but didn't. All right, let's... we were swapping space stories. <laughs> yeah, let's hit those, and then we'll we'll go into the plot. Uh, my thing was just at the very end, we were talking about the ghost matter and how it like exploded out of the comet and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to call out the ghost matter for being my least favorite mechanic in this game. Not because it was like inherently difficult or like badly implemented or anything. It just always felt very like rote, like boring, maze like. It, it yeah. didn't feel creative. Now, I agree. It took me forever to realize how it worked because mm-hmm. it's very counterintuitive. Like, I always assumed that you would get some kind of item or something that would let you bypass it, like some kind of upgrade to your suit or right. something. I don't know. <laughs> something that would neutralize it in some way. But what it is, it's just like a find the path thing. Yeah. Like, one path through it will not kill you for some reason <laughs> uh so like there's that one island on um giant deep. deep that has it and i guess i only ever tried the bad path and not the one that you could walk through so i just kept like every once in a while coming back and trying to like cheese that and try and like find a way to get past it and it took forever to find out like it took it was the the comet like actually mm-hmm. getting to the comet and figuring out some paths just didn't hurt you. Yeah. Uh, well, there's some paths that don't have the ghost. That's mostly what it is. You just have to, for every time Ghost Matter shows up, for the most part, you shoot your your probe and you say, oh, is this, does this path have Ghost Matter that blocks it? Yes. Don't go down it. And you just do that for every path that you can find. And sometimes they put a little sneaky path somewhere. Mm. And but most of the time it's just you just have to use the probe to look. And I didn't uh, even know that you could do that. No, that, yeah, that's your. I just did process of elimination. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes it even worse. Yeah, because my this leads right into my thing is I. And I guess it's just because I didn't pick up on certain things. It's like, I felt like the probe and the signal scope mm-hmm. weren't integrated into the gameplay enough. Yeah. Until the, like, the very end, like in Dark Bramble. Because, um, like, I, like, never used the probe. Mm. There was the one uh, puzzle I called out where you shoot it into the anglerfish uh, skull so you can see uh, the entrance to the cave in the other area. Yeah. Um. But, like, other than that, like, it never really felt, like, that useful to, like, just shoot it into a spot and take pictures. Yeah. For me... In the signal scope, you only really used to find the other astronauts. Right. Which I think is the game's way of... That is the game's direction in the in the early game. If you are a thinking man. Mm-hmm. If you use your brain and go, I'm going to find the other... Uh, the other members of the the Outer Wild Ventures team, mm-hmm. then 
you become you you realize that they are providing you with valuable information but if you are not a thinking man aka you are b what happens is you go i don't want to go where those other people are <laughs> i want to go explore new things so everything yeah, yeah, that seems was like very aimless at the beginning uh, that was like my first port of call on every planet was mm-hmm. to find the guy and that's a smart thing to do because once you you do that you learn more about what your goal should actually be. Yeah, and you can ask them, uh, yeah, what should I explore here? Because, like, I found the first guy on Brittle Hollow with the banjo. I Mm -hmm. I don't remember their names. Yeah, Um, Feldspar is the only one I remember. Yeah, Um, and, yeah, and I I really, I could ask him about stuff, so that it made it it clear that it was a good idea to find each guy on each planet. Yeah. I'm just... I'm just obviously no, very bad. I mean, no, that's like a a good in, like, or, uh, an instinct. I feel like makes sense. Um, Cause like I know, um, spoil or not spoilers, but a peek behind the veil to future things. Um, I just was playing some of Xenoblade X the other day because we're going to be doing Xenoblade. Yes. Uh, soon and um one thing about that is you're exploring an alien planet Mm -hmm. which i think is a great setup for an open world game and i'm surprised i haven't seen other games do um but every place that you go already has a base camp set up so it doesn't feel like you're never the first person to go anywhere on the planet which is lame yeah (laughs) so like your instinct to want to go where no man's gone before no harthian's gone before yeah is justifiable i think yeah i agree um but also, it's funnier when I'd say that I'm a big stupid idiot. No, I mean, you are also dumb. Yeah. Because <laughs> doing it does, does it, it, it helped me along when I got to the point where I felt like I, I wasn't making progress. Um, so, if you listen this far and have already been spoiled on the whole game. Uh-huh. Uh, what? Sorry. Should have listened. Yeah, but if we you... We didn't sk- listen. <laughs> if you skip to this point of the podcast without listening to the other points, and somehow landed at this exact moment... At these coordinates. At these coordinates. Then, let me tell you, just talk to all those guys first, and get an idea, and then everything won't feel as aimless. And talk to the guy on Giant Steep twice. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that is that is those. But, it does lead into... Uh, more of the narrative stuff that I want to talk about, which is, you mentioned that you don't remember the names of the the Outer Wilds Ventures people, mm-hmm. and I don't either. I know a lot of them were like names were like after rocks. Mm. I know it was a thing. I don't know at all. <laughs> I don't know rocks that well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't pick up on that. Um, but my thing is, I feel like this game had a very clear focus on what it wanted to do. Um, and I think that the part of the game that, that is, that suffers for it is the writing. And I don't mean the, the story or like the backstory, all of that is really well, like interconnected with all of the other elements of the game, but the actual like dialogue always felt like just a little bit, I don't know what the phrase is. Like, it made a lot of jokes and stuff, which is fine. It gave me sort of like, as far as tone goes, it gave me Kentucky Route Zero vibes a bit. Annapurna? Yeah, Annapurna. That was the, their fucking dirty hands all over it. They mm-hmm. said put in more jokes. 
God damn it. <laughs> Annapurna is going to live long enough to see themselves become the villain mm-hmm. um, in our weird headcanon of how it works. Um, <laughs> but uh, overall, I felt like it felt very utilitarian and it felt really impersonal in a way. And it's not bad. Like, that isn't what I want to say. It's mm-hmm. more just, like, I didn't get a lot out of it outside of just, like, cold, hard facts, you know? Like, getting the information was the important thing, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like I cared that much about each individual person. Yeah. I I don't disagree with that, but I almost feel like that's what the game wants. Like, well, it reinforces, like, that you're a lone explorer in space. Yeah. And, like, a lot of, like, um the things that you find um read, like, their scientific logs. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll find the ones in, the like, the settlements that are written different. And it's, like, they're handwritten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a cool detail. Um, and those ones I do think feel a little bit more uh, appropriately, like... Uh, the voice is different um yeah but yeah like it does stand out a little bit with the dialogue with the other uh harthians i think you're correct but like they all like they all just kind of came off as weirdos to me and i think that <laughs> that's also kind of what it wanted well no, i feel like I, I it think works you're... for 99.9 percent yeah, of the game no. but it just has that ending yeah where it's, it seems like it wants you to have a connection to them. true i i don't know it's it's i think you're on to something it didn't stand out to me as much but like yeah in the end it almost kind of felt like it's supposed to be more of a realization that like these are like your your kindred spirits mm-hmm. and not necessarily like they're supposed to be your buddies i mean it did make me feel good about the music though. yeah because that like, that's song what connects is you yeah. yeah is that one song mm-hmm it felt weird they they didn't give you an instrument. A bit, yeah. But, you know. I want to not talk about the ending, but talk about the, something that happened during the ending. Because mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I'm wondering if this is why my instinct was to do this. But they don't give you an instrument, and you go and you find all of the individual people with instruments and bring them back, including... The one Nomai that you can find. Right, who's not there if you didn't find her. Oh, really? Yep. Did not know that. Um, but you go to each of these like little zones and find the people and bring them back, and they're all playing the song. And then a black hole opens above the, uh, the, the, the campfire. And so I'm sitting there enjoying the fine tunes uh, and good drink. And good food I, and fine drink. Yeah. And I don't have anything to do. Like, cause you don't really have much of an option to do watch. anything. So I started to roast a marshmallow. And when you do that, everyone stops playing. It's like you open the, the, the visor to roast the marshmallow mm. and everyone looks at you and it stops playing. And I just panicked and that's, jumped into the black hole. That's very ominous. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's super strange. And I don't know what they were going for. Maybe if I had continued maybe, doing it, maybe because it looked like you weren't paying attention. Uh, maybe and I was trying to enjoy it in yeah. an atmospheric way, but it was extremely weird. And I wonder what would have happened if I hadn't panicked and mm. jumped in immediately. Because I was thinking that it was going to go away. Oh, God. It might have been just timing. Because they do just stop playing. 
Oh, really? Yeah, like they finished the song. <laughs> so that's really funny if that's what happened. That would be... Well, now I want to go... Because yeah, I, like, I just I just stayed there and watched them play till they stopped, mm-hmm. and then I jumped in the thing. Okay, Th- that would be wild if that was timing, because I would have no it idea. Would be if outer they just wild. Stopped. It would be outer fuck wild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the story of of what I did at the ending, and it is weird no, that you don't get an I instrument. Think you hit the nail on the head there. Like you want to join in, mm-hmm. and you can't. At least as far as I know. And can you imagine how much more you would have wanted to join in if you felt like a real connection to the characters? I, I like, I don't know, I like the theme of, like, being, like, together but separate. Like, mm. like you are, like, a lone space explorer, but you feel like a kinship with the other lone space explorers. I think that's what they wanted, and I think it worked. Okay. I mean, I have some thoughts, but... <sighs> Like, the guy in the moon definitely, like, implies that he's very lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, other people seem to be doing better about it. There's the one guy, the guy in Brittle Hollow is, like, explicitly afraid of space travel. Yeah, he's the archaeologist, I think. They're all different disciplines of science. Yeah. And one of them, I guess, was the discipline of smoking that herb. <laughs> the ganja. <laughs> the gold. <laughs> so he went to Giant's Deep, where uh-huh. he took a giant... Pull. Yeah. He's just in a real chill mood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, I don't know. It's like, you get bits and pieces of their personality, and I think they're pretty well characterized. It just didn't feel like they mattered much. There was a point where you, after you meet the, the Nomai, if you go back to Brittle Hollow, or for me, go there for the first time, uh-huh. and meet that guy... He's like, you know, like, you can tell people your discoveries. And I was like, I met a real Nomai. And he, like, goes on, like, there's a whole, like, discussion chain that happens. Like, mm-hmm. a conversation. and But it doesn't really change anything. And it seems like it sure fucking should. Like, he should be differently motivated when you tell him that. But, like, he does just continue sitting there playing the banjo. Yeah, it, it feels like it's suffering a little bit from being a video game i think in this instance because like the game wants you to be the one that does everything Mm -hmm. and as a result it makes all the other explorers feel really inactive and lazy because like yeah like they it makes sense for the one guy on giant steve because he is lazy like that's his thing yeah uh but it yeah the others just sit there the whole game yeah uh which is only 22 minutes i guess yeah but it scale and how much time is it actually passing in the game and blah 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 right but yeah no it does the longer you play the more you think about that like how they don't do anything <laughs> right <laughs> you, you tell them these amazing things and they don't want to go check it out right and, and like yeah it makes sense in the context of the game that they wouldn't do anything over a 22 minute period because like what are they realistically going to be doing mm-hmm. um i mean i guess they could be walking around but like they aren't, they they're, they happen to catch in. yeah the loop happened to catch them in the twenty two minutes where they were just sitting and having dinner or whatever. The uh, real commentary here is that they just all hate. They're all like introverts <laughs> and they hate interacting with people, so they just go to a planet and then just hunker down and 
just enjoy being alone. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, this is great. This is what I wanted the whole time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but notably, the Nomai don't really have, to me, to my eye, this problem as much. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, despite being dead, are all, like, well characterized in their writing. One thing um, this just made me think of is that uh, the Harthians are non-gendered. Yes. And the Nomai do have genders. So I wonder if that comes across in the right, like, part of what you're talking about. It's like they, they're more familiar. Yeah. There's they only like, have three yeah. eyes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the big difference. Uh-huh. No, but, um, they, yeah, it just makes a difference in culture, I would think, if you would be... Yeah, just the way you would talk about things and your relationships to other people would be a lot different. Mm-hmm. And I just think that does come across a little bit in the writing, but I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, until just now, it comes off. It does a good job of of separating because, like the the Herthians, while being your playable character and where you're from, and all of the things that that the game sets up as being their story, like they're the ones who came up with the they're the first. I guess kind of the only sentient life in the in the galaxy. Um, but they did come up, like, they managed to create space travel, and even though their ships are made of wood. Uh, that classic uh, <laughs> wooden technology aesthetic. Yeah. And so they have all of this, like, stuff, um, and obviously play a big role in the immediate minute-to-minute. It's not really their story. And a lot of the cultural and species differences between the the two races are help the Nomai stand out as being like the thing that you should be paying the most attention to. Yeah. Uh, so one one additional point in the column of maybe it was intentional that yeah. you didn't form a connection with the other uh, Herthians, but eh. anything else about the story you want to talk about? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um there's a lot of super good sci-fi concepts in here that are like loosely based on real scientific concepts and sometimes very strictly based on real scientific Mm -hmm. concepts but um i think that the whole quantum moon thing is extremely cool uh and a neat implementation of that yeah wish i would have like noticed it at all (laughs) I mean, I'm just bringing it up now as like a thing to to mention. Just, I can't comprehend quantum mechanics, so that, I didn't see it. You fo- you didn't even, you didn't even go to school for quantum mechanics. No, sure didn't. Uh, <laughs> because um, it is super cool. Yeah, it's it's really neat, and I like that. It's sort of like because that is like everything else in the game, just a small part of of the rest of the story. Like the quantum things are what drew the nomai to the the galaxy because they perceive that the eye of the world is itself quantum or the eye of the universe right mm-hmm. and so when We're something like quantum shows it, up yeah. they think oh this is where we can find like th- this is a clue toward what we're looking for um but then in addition to that like the sun station has like this i forget what it's called it's uh, it's kind of I don't think this is related to the vacuum manufacturer, uh huh. But I think it's called a Dyson sphere. Is a thing. Oh, like um, 
Never mind. I'm probably going to say it's something stupid, so continue. It's this idea that people have had to basically build a big shell around a star in order to provide power. Like, basically, it's like... It's to like, absorb all the energy? Yeah. So all the energy from the sun just goes into these panels, and then that gets transmitted back to wherever we need electricity and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, an alternative energy source, but one that is, like, extremely science fiction. Uh <laughs> It's the energy source we already have. <laughs> we take it and, and use it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and the sun station, like, as I was reading it being described, I was like, that is, is that, like, is that what they're planning on doing? But And sort of, they forcibly supernova the star in order to get the energy they need to fire their probes and well, restart the time loop and shit. They actually don't succeed right yeah and it just so happens that the sun is going to supernova naturally no the supernova is triggered i swore that i read that they tried they did experiments to try to do it were unsuccessful and then found out that the sun was going to supernova anyway Mm. My okay, so here's But I might be talking out my ass, but I thought that that was the case. You aren't entirely and I might be partially. So there's definitely <laughs> like there's some overlap, like a half and half here. Cuz I do remember them talking about failing at something to do with the sun station. But the Ash Twin project is at the part point where the sun supernovas is when the 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 power cell core thing cracks open and creates the black hole, which I presumed was something that was absorbing the energy. Mm. But I could be wrong about that as well. But it is like, there's a time. And like, when you go in there, there's a little like pedestal. That's like X minutes until activation. It's the time period until the sun right. explodes. I don't know. Maybe. Cause well, that was activating just doing the time loop right yes or like shooting another probe out into space or whatever yeah so the the so that's happened like you find a thing that says that's happened like nine million times or whatever yeah the gravity cannon yeah and then on like the nine million whatever if time is when the sun explodes right and the nomai are long dead and Mm -hmm. i think that they did not trigger the supernova well that's okay so maybe i don't know if you've done any additional research i should have and didn't i did a little bit but okay there's the the whole for me is how are uh, presumably what what happened is the nomai set up the time loop mm-hmm. and at the beginning so of the time send loop, out like infinite probes. probes so at the beginning of the time loop the gravity cannon on giants deep fires the probe and is destroyed Mm -hmm. then the information from the probe gets sent back to them they decipher it if they Mm -hmm. found the thing they're looking for and then the time loop restarts if they don't right and if it is a time loop why are the nomai dead Shouldn't they... I think they died before this all was set in motion. Like, unexpectedly by the explosion of the ghost matter. Right. Well, some of them had to have been alive in order for it to, like, start in the first place, right? Plus the statues Uh, are kind of a new thing? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I was always a little confused about the timeline. Yeah. Because it seemed like they should have still 
been alive right at the start of the loop but they are like long dead yes so i don't know exactly how i think they had it all set up because i know there's like details that are like we have all these fail safes in place so that things keep going or like you know things will keep looping Mm -hmm. um you know like in case they fail like this or like contingency plans and stuff right so i feel like maybe it's something like that like they they had it in place that it would start like something would trigger it to start even if they weren't around right i remember there being a there's a a log on the wall in the ash twin project mm-hmm. that says like i have a fail safe so that if some equipment isn't working it won't time loop because we will never know. Oh, right. Right. right, right, Like if we keep repeating it, then we won't, we won't know that there's a problem and we'll never fix it. So maybe that is, that's probably what sets the whole thing in motion in that case. Yeah. So maybe they tried to trigger the supernova. It didn't work. Time went on normally. Mm. And then when the sun actually exploded, that's what started the time Uh... loops actually happening. Because it now got the input it, now it was expecting. And yeah. It, yeah, that makes sense. But all of this information. But it might be wrong. <laughs> yes. All of this information is online. Somebody has compiled it and probably has a decent yeah, timeline. Like, I found like a straight up like Vadi Vidya style lore <laughs> channel for this game. So Nice. Uh, what, I tried what, not to watch too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it after the podcast. Yeah. Uh, my. What I'm going to say here, though, is this is this was sort of our discussion of what we think is happening in the game. Mm-hmm. And it could be right, could be wrong. Parts of it are definitely right. Parts of it are definitely wrong. The discussion, because you can just go find this stuff out. What I want to hear from the people listening to this is, like, what was... What was your, like, interpretation of events? Like, did you even think about these things? Were you fixated on something else entirely? Like, because that is what's fascinating about a game that's this open, is that, uh, like, what the things that I gave a shit about mm-hmm. have to be totally different than what anybody else would give a shit about. Yeah. Until the end where it forces you to think about stuff. Yeah, like, that was what I was going to say, is, like, I think if you played this just super casually for, like, several hours and then stopped... I think you're right. But if you keep playing it, like, the the longer you play, the more, like, you have to fixate on these things. Yeah. Yeah, to get to the actual ending of the game, mm-hmm. you need to know about the Ash Twin Project. Know how to get to the Ash Twin Project. Yeah, I had to look that up. It's complicated. Like, I could not figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I did, I found, a, like, the, I did never look at the comments in on videos. I don't know what possessed me to do it on this one. <laughs> Uh, but, like, the top comment was one that I really agreed with, which was, the thing about this game is it gets, like, the closer you get to the end, the less fun it gets to play. And that might come off as a little harsh, depending on how you interpret it. But I think it is true. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, it, you ha- it, it's it's fun to explore and to latch, like, as you're saying, latch on to specific things. You know, like, you get that, like... As I said, like your white whale, like you just want to figure out everything about mm. it. And then you just, it, it ends up being like, you have to do this one specific thing. And it, it it's a lot more frustrating when yeah. that's the case. Yeah. And like I had, I went back and forth with it. I, I had to do the ending three times before I succeeded. 
Um, the first time was uh, just straight up and down, ran out of time. Um, I was so paranoid. Yeah. That very successfully tense, I think, that end sequence. That is true. Trying to get the core to the vessel. Yeah. So the, fir- the first time that I, I tried the ending, I didn't know that I was trying the ending. Mm. I thought I was just doing a thing. I knew about the vessel. And I knew where it was, but I'd never been there. I just, I followed the steps up to the point where I would have found the zone that it was in. And I got eated. Uh, and I was like, well, it's locked that away. Mental note, probably going to be important later. Then I go through the Brutal Hollow thing. They talk about the vessel and creating a new core. Like, that's part of, like, that whole story. So... I know that the core that I found in Ash Twin Project, which is hard enough to get to, um, was related and that I would have to take it to the vessel. So I attempted to do this twice and ran out of time both times uh. because I was just not very efficient about getting into the Ash Twin Project. The third time I got in, I got it, I got out making record time. I was managing my fucking ship usage in Dark Bramble really well, and I make it to the the thing, and I get to the end, and I, at this point, do not know how much time I have left, or if the time is even counting down. Yeah, I didn't know if it, like, once you got to the, like, I don't know why it would work this way, but, like, (laughs) it, it almost feels like it should, once you go, like, through the orange, uh little core thing yeah to get to the vessel like that the time limit would stop yeah it seems like there is there there is definitely a point because i know that it took me longer i think when i got into ash twin i had like 13 minutes left or something like 12 13 minutes Mm -hmm. uh based on the little kiosk (laughs) that tells you how much time you have left um I grabbed the thing, I ran, I got all the way there to the vessel, and I know that it took me longer than that to complete the whole ending sequence, mm-hmm. but I don't know at what point the timer it stops. I think it's once you warp to the quantum moon. It, ha- it has to be where it stops. Yeah, that that makes sense. Or the eye of the... Wherever the fuck you are. Yeah, I uh, think it, it takes you to the quantum moon, or at least that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... I I don't know, because yeah. it's very, like, unclear what the eye of the universe actually is. Sure, yeah. But if you talk to the Nomai on the quantum moon, they say, like, it reflects the place that it's above, so we think that this is a reflection of what the eye of the universe is like. Right. Which is why I perceive it as that, but I could be wrong, and I think that's kind of the point, is that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, like, I was doing a bunch of stuff, like, even once I got into the forest part. I was good. I was like sprinting. I was like, well, I gotta get out. What? And then, like, eventually it dawns on you. Like, it's been like 20 minutes, 25 mm. minutes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I basically just assumed once I left the vessel that the time limit didn't matter anymore. So mm-hmm. I guess I didn't have that problem. I could have easily been totally wrong. Up to that point, I had been like so nervous. Yeah. And like, you know, palms are sweaty. Uh, trying to like, yeah, get through uh, Dark Bramble Dark Bramble without getting eaten by an anglerfish, <laughs> which I feel like got unnecessarily tedious, and I don't really like that mechanic. 
Yeah. Especially when you do it three times. Yeah. It gets even more tedious. Yeah. It's My... uh, it, it's cool when you first figure it out, but then after that, it falls right off a cliff. Yep. My my The thing that I was going back and forth on is I felt like this game was mechanically difficult. Like, it was a hard game not to die in because there were a lot of different forces at play. Mm-hmm. And... Because of that, I felt like the ending being hard seemed kind of earned by the game. But at the same time, it felt... It's really hard to figure out what you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah. And it's also difficult to execute. And it it did feel like the end was a bit much, I guess. Yeah, like... It kind of deviates, like, I like that comment said, like, it deviates from what's fun about the game, mm-hmm. and it kind of funnels you into, like, a more uh, obtuse sequence that you have to complete. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I don't hate it, though. Um, for me, I, like, the big thing is the having to, like, barely tap the stick to <laughs> activate the thrusters without making any noise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had to do that, like, a bunch of times. I don't know if it was my controller or what, but, like, it was really hard not to accidentally push it too much. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I found um, Feldspar, and I had also followed the other signal and, like, gotten to the part where you come out and there's, like, three of them right there and then got eaten. And I was like, I'll go back there later. Yeah. So, like, I found the core. Yeah. Like, I got into the Ashtron Park and found the core and just didn't know what to do with it. I was just, like, flying around. I'm like, uh. <laughs> I feel like I took it to Giant's Deep. I don't remember why I thought that would be where it would go to. <laughs> but I was like, uh. It should have been more obvious to go to Brittle Hollow because that had the most question marks. Or not Brittle Hollow. Dark Bramble. Dark Bramble because that had the most question marks still. But yeah. I didn't want to have to deal with uh, Dark Bramble at that point. But yeah. Well, Dark Bramble is one of those planets that's just hard to deal with. Yeah. Like, I didn't... Like, I went there early. Or not early. Like, probably middle-ish of the game. For some reason, that one, even though it's very mysterious, like, I just didn't go to it for some reason for a long time. And, um... And I kept trying to do stuff on the outside of it. Mm. Like, I kept trying to, like, land on places and jump around to all the little pieces and stuff and trying to find something. Right. And, like, because I, like, I don't know if it has, like, a gravitational pull that pulls you towards that core. Like, I think it does. Because, like, I think my ship even got, like, pulled in. Right. And, like, I while I was in it, and I, like, jumped out of it. Because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't want to go inside of it. <laughs> like, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. It was weird. Like, I just... I thought it was very weird that there was nothing on the outside to me. Yeah. But I guess that's supposed to signal to you you're supposed to go to the inside. But so then I just left and then didn't come back to it again until like way later. So I ended up coming to Dark Bramble like at the end, like when it matters. So like, I don't know. I feel like most people won't have that experience, but that's how (laughs) it worked for me. Yeah. I was, uh, I was drawn to Dark Bramble initially because of the seed that's on Timberhurst. And I didn't find that yeah. till for a long time somehow. So that was that was sort of my clue to go there and figure out what was going on. But you get eaten a bunch of times and you mm-hmm. go, fuck this planet, I'm never coming back. Uh, and so you end up going back eventually. It's, it's just one of those things. Like, the game says, go do anything, and then it puts up a big obstacle. And then you have to figure out how to get 
past that obstacle mm. in order to understand what's actually going on there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of agree with that random YouTube comment as well. Yeah. Um, but with the exception of, I think, once you... If you treat ending the game like just an obstacle, just a thing to get past, and then you keep playing after that because there's stuff you still don't really get, mm-hmm. I think that it kind of evens itself out. I think that the when the game wants to have an ending and it wants you to put together this like pretty complex sequence of events you have to do mm-hmm. uh, under time pressure to actually like get everything together and get to the ending is when it feels like it's breaking its own design ethos. I think, and this just popped into my head, that the ending of this feels like a, quotes, like, true ending. Mm. Like a thing you would have to go the extra mile to get. Like, it almost feels like it should have a different ending <laughs> where you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Um, I don't know. Yeah. No, if, I, if that I agree. Makes sense, yeah. I mean, I almost feel like it should have a her story kind of ending, like, where you're like, have a guy ask. But you. like, you have the the time loop though, and it's like, as long as you have that, you feel like you need to stop it, right, from happening. Like, I don't, I can't imagine walking away from this and not having solved that. Like, <laughs> that would bother the crap out of me. <laughs> well, if you know the reason for the time loop, and like, I can imagine. Stopping the time loop in a way that killed you is like a somewhat satisfying yeah, which happened ending. To me. Yeah. yeah, like you pull. Obviously, yeah, happened to me twice. Yeah, you get that nice. Oh wait, no, that's not the right one. If you make a copy of yourself and talk to yourself, and, it ends the universe, and then end the game. You do get a uh, an ending, and it plays weird kazoo mu- music over the credits, which is strange. Yeah, maybe that was your instrument. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> you are the kazoo player in the in that band. Um. Yeah, though, like I think the death of the universe ending is satisfying in its own weird way, and it that it is kind you, yeah. of the true ending. Yeah, if, it could be. I think with a little like canonizing to mm-hmm. actually make it feel like an ending. But anyway, uh, that's speculation. I have a quick hit. I don't know how much longer we want to go. Feels like we're we're getting close to that time. So, what's your quick hit? All right, my quick hit is there's gonna be DLC for this game. Oh yeah, I saw that. Fucking weird, right? What are they gonna do? I, I. I <laughs> Speaking of speculation, I think it's an expansion. Like it's just gonna add more content. But don't quote me on that. Right. I don't. Yeah, actually, since I heard about it, which was like last week. I have not looked in to see if there were any further announcements, but mm-hmm. uh, to me, it just feels like, like, how do you do that? Like, uh, is it a separate story, like, that they just put at a different time, or... I, have, I mean, I have no clue. Um, I did see, a, like, a little trailer for it, though, and I think I maybe read a little bit about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I have no clue. Like, I think it's just... Uh, I feel like it would have to be like a separate story almost. Like your your two options are just add in more content to each of the planets, add a new planet, which I don't think they would do. I feel like that would be too much work. Um, 
or yeah like do a separate like quantum realm story or something like that yeah i mean even if adding adding a new planet though throws off the whole like yeah like it would be this precious ecosystem yeah it would change too many things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i just wanted to throw that out there because this seems like a game that i would never ever expect to get dlc yeah no it's cool though i mean like i think it's gonna be one of those things like there are a lot of people who are like really into this game and mm-hmm. they get to have more of it. Yeah. I want to say that it's like this it could end up like a silk song where they just they go, "We were making DLC for Outer Wilds and we accidentally made a whole other game." <laughs> I got the impression that it's not that far off from like being a released product, mm-hmm. so I don't think that's going to happen, but Yeah, that makes sense. Just wanted to make sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly when we recorded it. Yeah. After Bef- the game right came before... out, but before the DLC did. Yeah. Right before the Switch version. Yes. Um, do we have Feldspar thoughts? Uh, my Feldspar thoughts are, uh, this game is really great. Uh, there's so much to it that it made it kind of hard to talk about in our usual podcast fashion. Mm-hmm. It just kind of ended up being us swapping like, this is what I did. This is what I did, uh, <laughs> which is kind of what I expected. But yeah, like there's just so much to this game. It's very hard to like narrow down and talk about specific things because mm-hmm. um, you'd be leaving lots of other things out. Um, but yeah, it's really great. It's super impressive. Um, I imagine like it seems like a like a technical achievement, um, especially for like it being like a starting out as an indie project and then getting produced by Annapurna. Um, yeah, like there's so much to it. Like I said, everything in the game's moving. Like all the planets are spherical. Like eat your heart out, Mario Galaxy. <laughs> um, and it just like does so many things that like other games don't do so i imagine it, it was like a huge pain in the ass to develop uh and the result is something uh unlike anything else um it's a it's like i, I think i brought it up in the first half but it's like a time loop game mm-hmm. quotes which is something i'm surprised we haven't seen more of i forgot to bring this up but um i think it's something people associate so much with majora's mask so they think like oh, i don't want to make something derivative of that but this I think game highlights how you can do it. Like you can use the time limit, uh, time loop uh, concept to make something totally different and cool, and that still stands on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really great. It's a game. Uh, the game I got the most into that we've done for the podcast in a long time. Like I over the time that I was playing this, like. When I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about it, and right. I was like theorizing about like all the different planets, and I thought maybe all the planets were actually the same planet in different time periods, and like I had all these weird theories as I was playing it and trying to figure stuff out. Like it really, really sparked my curiosity in the way that it wants, and I got really sucked in. It's it's a little hard to start. There's a there's a hurdle you have to jump or a hill you have to crest, but uh it was worth it and i like this game a lot so thanks for recommending it whoever did that on the discord (laughs) because it was a game i had heard about but one i probably wouldn't have checked out on my own unless someone like one of my friends had mentioned it or something so yeah 
Yeah, my initial impression of this game was definitely more... I thought it was going to be a lot smaller than it was. Um, to the point where, like, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, we might be able to do that for, like, Pocket or something. Then the game ended up taking me, like, 26 hours to finish. Wow. It only S- took me 18. Suck huh. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, playing this game was sort of like... It was, a, it was an experience, for sure. We've talked before about the Good Bad Sandwich uh concept tm 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 yeah the (laughs) the uh the good bad sandwich paradigm and i think that this might flip it on its head a little bit and is a bit of a bad good sandwich where the very beginning of the game the bread was bad yeah the bottom piece the bottom piece no the good i think the front uh, the front and back because the way that i well you start with the bottom piece of bread so that's the bad piece. Well, the top piece I'm saying is also. Bad. Oh, okay. So we're gonna. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. This is a true. No, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, but the way that I see the game is like it's very, very hard to get into at the beginning because the mechanics are difficult to handle. Even conceptually, getting around is sort of difficult, and you just sort of have to learn that. Like it's a, it is a necessary hurdle to clear. And then once you're in it, now you're into the good part because shit is wild and everything is is so deep and there's so much to actually explore and you get like a catalog of things that you feel like you genuinely want to know more about. It does a really good job of setting up its mystery. It does a really good job of, of making the information feel both logically placed and also sparse enough that you don't get, like, a huge info dump at any one time. And then the ending is insanely complicated. And maybe we're dumb. And maybe there's more evidence to instruct you on how to do each thing that you need to do to finish the game. Uh, but then th- when you have your good bad, or your bad good sandwich set up, mm-hmm. then they put the little olive with the toothpick on top because that ending is beautiful and i do love it so yeah i i think that this game if you are ever playing a game that you're on the fence about and you hear a community of people who are so tight-lipped about spoilers as this community is i guess just try pushing past is the lesson I'm taking from yeah. this. Like, push past that initial difficulty to get into the meat of it, because there really was something here this time. Yep. But that's advice for nobody, because if you haven't played it, you shouldn't be listening. <laughs> God damn it. I'm saying that's that's to go forward. Yeah. If you play a game and you're like, this is really ah, challenging yes, yeah. and difficult, and I don't know if I want to keep pushing, and then you go online and people say like, uh, I want to help you, but like, if I say anything, I'm ruining right, the game. Yeah. You're like, what makes somebody do that? And it's probably because it's a good game. Because yeah. good ass fucking game. Uh, a good ass fucking game. <laughs> Put it on the back of the box. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time we're <laughs> we're going to be talking about Time Splitters Future Perfect. Oh my god, is it finally happening? It, it finally is happening. We went from a game that was highly recommended by at least one person. Maybe two, yeah. To another game that was highly recommended by exactly one person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
if you have anything that you want us to talk about, please uh, suggest it in the comments or on our Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're much more likely to actually talk about it now. <laughs> Time Splitters Future Perfect is the third Time Splitters game, and uh, weirdly, it's it's one of those games that was like, it's like a Duke Nukem to me, where it was really popular when they were coming out, and then people talked about there being a sequel. And all the old fogies got excited about it, like me. I mean, mm-hmm. like, oh, and that never really happened. <laughs> so, and it probably would be bad if it did. Yeah, where's the Kickstarter for the new Time Splitters? Exactly. So I'm interested to see what this game yeah. is like going back and, to and it. For me, this is kind of, a, for your longtime listeners, a rascal situation, <laughs> where I only ever played Time Splitters at Dan's house as a kid. Mm. So I just, I know it as that shooter where you could play as a squid and a gingerbread man. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think I was only the first or the second one that I ever played. So I have no experience with this series, uh, <laughs> other than that. So, yeah, uh, I'm jumping in, in de- the, at the deep end. <laughs> definitely looking forward to this for various, very strange reasons. Yep. But, uh, until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. Or on Splattershot.pro. There you can find links to all of our old episodes. Like uh, you mentioned Overdin being a good one to go back for for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and other stuff, I'm sure. Uh, this is a unique yeah, kind of a game. Yeah, Undertale came to my mind as another game where people are tight-lipped about spoilers. That is true. Uh, also, I mentioned No Man's Sky as yeah. this game sort of like having a passing similarity to but then is in no way similar to it at all mm-hmm. uh we did also talk about that one yeah uh, games about exploration yeah <laughs> look through the catalog <laughs> see if you've played anything uh and that does it i guess is the sun gonna explode do a time do a little time loop welcome to note that's how it yep all right hold on let me try again smash <clears> that <throat> like button smash that like button smash your ship into the like button <laughs> refuse to use the landing can and smash that like button hello hello it's me chad rutherman talking into the microphone Oh, hi guys, it's me, Andy. I'm talking into the microphone. <laughs>